Hello and welcome to the Road Trip Sports Podcast. My name is Harrison Crook and I'm joined as always by my co-host Oliver Gilmore. Ollie, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well, Harrison. We're back for another episode. It's part two of our chat with Darren Gilmore, which will mark episode 44 for us. Yeah, we're very excited to get Daz back on the show to chat all things uh, from the past. We're, we're calling it a blast from the past, so we're talking all things about the way that sports have changed from the past to the present. And what better man to discuss it, who's been such a big fan for such a long time um, of sport. This is fitting. Um, have you seen the Blast from the Past movie? Blast from the Past? No. Yeah, so it's basically um, a Brendan Fraser movie where he basically spends 35 years in a nuclear shelter underground. If you haven't, oh, well, you said you haven't seen it, but if you haven't seen it for everyone listening, I reckon you can go and watch it. It's weird anyway. You can imagine a child growing up in a nuclear shelter. Well, conveniently enough, they are pretty sheltered from everything else. Um, so he goes up to to earth or goes above the ground more or less yeah. and it's it's um a bit of a disaster as you could imagine sending someone out um that and well the nuclear attack didn't actually happen right okay so that's the premise of the story that they've been stuck down there not knowing um and just self in this self-sustained nuclear uh, bunker but well if you've been in a nuclear bunker for the last 35 years make sure to tune in because we're going to chat how sports have changed throughout the last 30 to 35 years that Darren has been a big fan of sports. Um, but if you've been in that bunker and you don't know about our socials as well, you can follow us on all of the socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Road Trip Sports Pod. We're on YouTube. Road Trip Sports Podcast is what you need to search. Any inquiries you've got, if you'd like to get on the podcast, if you'd like to share your sports stories, make sure to get in touch with us. Our best point of contact is Road Trip Sports Podcast at gmail.com to email us, or you can slide into any of our DMs. Well, H, um, we've officially crossed the Thanksgiving period. And I think we mentioned it a few weeks ago. We said after Thanksgiving is when the football gets real. So we saw some pretty cool Thanksgiving games. There wasn't really any major disappointments. They were all reasonably close. Bit of a um, first for uh, the Thanksgiving. It's like usually yeah, it's, exactly. we watch the Lions get destroyed in the early game. Um, but they actually put up quite a fight against the Bills, didn't they? Yeah, and even the Giants were competitive against the Cowboys and the Vikings game thereafter was was quite decent as well. Yeah, very interesting. I think Thanksgiving is something that um, is probably the next American tradition to um, come across to Australia and be more represented because it is a, it's something we don't have in Australia. Like we've got an equivalent with our Fourth of July is Australia Day. Our um, of course, Christmas. We're starting to get the Halloween now, but we don't really have a Thanksgiving, and it's a cool holiday. It's basically just let's eat a lot of food and chill as a family and watch some football. Yeah, I think the way it differentiates from us, I sort of trying to put together a bit of a connection. It's obviously um, related to food and dishes uh, passed on by the indigenous to the Americans, um, which basically symbolizes that Thanksgiving period. We could do something similar. Obviously, we've got a long indigenous history. Whether we eat some food, particularly, you know, it embraces that yeah. with the indigenous Australian culture. But perhaps we eat some food that they ate, and then we also eat your standard sort of Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Christmas sort of food as well. I don't know. That's just a way you'd I'd probably be keen incorporate for that. I'm it. Down. I'm down. Um, Anytime we can get a big, uh, big share of food i think that's a great idea well that's also that's what it's all about really the lineman in me loves it food football and family so you'd probably incorporate it 
in the winter months, you'd think maybe around, you know, your AFL, your NRL, it might be on a Sunday or a Monday. Yeah. I don't know. Do they have it on a weekday? It's on a Thursday. Yeah, okay. It's on a Thursday. Um, and then they have the Black Friday Do they get Black they Friday Black off? Friday. I don't know if they get the whole Monday, weekend. But I don't think they get the Cyber Monday. Monday is just a... Is a um, Another economy. Yeah, <laughs> it's a capitalism sort of driven thing. Um, I don't know if they get Black Friday off. That's a good question. Anyway, might need to look that up. Um, but yeah, it'd be cool to have something like that where you, you know, you get a day off where we always appreciate the uh, public holidays when they roll along. So, so um, Black Friday is not an official holiday in the United States, but California and some other states observe the day after Thanksgiving, that's in quotes, as a holiday for state government employees. It is sometimes observed in lieu of another federal holiday, such as Columbus Day. Um, so they don't celebrate it in some of those states um, and they celebrate the day, uh, quote, the day after Thanksgiving instead. Um, so it's not an official holiday, but a lot of people take it off anyway because then you roll it into the weekend, have a very long weekend. It's probably like Australia that's coming up this year. Australia Day falls on a Thursday, conveniently enough. <laughs> I've taken the Friday off, but um, so to move forward through that weekend. So I think that some might bosses be... need to start uh, requesting medical certificates for that Friday because yeah. I think a lot of people... Going to be feeling a bit unwell. Yeah, well, if you're using your leave, get it in now, I reckon. That's my recommendation. Absolutely. Good call. Um, well, it's probably about time now that we get into our chat with Darren. So let's get him on the podcast. We've got the Blast from the Past segment with Darren Gilmore. Welcome back on the podcast uh, to Darren Gilmore, uh, Ollie's dad, also known as Daz. Daz, how are you doing? Doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me. Lovely to have you back on. Now, we want to have you back on to chat all things, all the things that have changed in sport. You've been following sport um, for quite a long time now, and it's there's been lots of changes that we've discussed in conversation. We sort of wanted to discuss it in a more formal setting. Um, let's start with the big one. What's the biggest change you've seen in professional sports in the last 30 years so this is all under the old timers chat this is the old timers he's got that written here (laughs) Uh, well there's been there's been depending obviously different sports have changed in different ways but the speed of the sports in pretty well all the all the sports have changed quite dramatically um there seems to be a push the athlete versus the player yeah it seems to be like a lot of a lot of clubs in drafting in different sports tend to go for the best athlete they can pick rather than the best player they can pick sometimes. Yeah. And that, that can backfire on you a little bit at times. But, um, yeah. So the speed's probably, and, and obviously technical parts of the games have changed as well. So, uh, but yeah, the, the physicality as well has yeah. changed. So there's been a number of changes. Are you an advocate for the bring back the biff? Or do you, like, do you think the game's <laughs> gone soft or do you just think it's different? Well, I think every, anybody that watches it is is pretty well enticed by the thought that there's going to be you tune into State of Origin every year, just hoping that they're going <laughs> to going to cut loose on each other. But the sports, oh, it's the best. Whenever you're in a, like a pub or a big group setting and you're watching State of Origin and a fight breaks out, the whole place erupts more yeah. than at any try that's scored. Yeah. I mean, you you say an advocate for for allowing <laughs> it to come back into the game. I mean, obviously, you don't want people running around. Breaking people's jaws in the back playing things like that because that happened in the in the seventies yeah, and eighties probably. Yeah, it certainly did. The game the games were a lot. There was there was a lot more emphasis on playing the man 
yeah. probably not the ball. Um, there's been so many changes to even to the rules of some of the games. AFL specifically, like they protect the player going the ball a lot more than what they used to. I mean, yeah, I've bought out when the boys have Oliver's had some of his mates at our place the old DVDs and things and. I think the first time I played, the, some of the boys looked at it and thought, "Wow, is this? What, how's this legal?" Yeah, but, uh, yeah. So much physicality and so much attack on the player going for the football, and there was a lot more. The, the umpires let it run. Yeah, it's crazy. I remember watching um, to switch gears to another sport, but I watched a um, a viral video regarding the NFL, and it was a um, like a preview or like a cut up reel before like just a normal telecast like introduction reel and someone wrote every single play in this reel would be a penalty in today's NFL yep. like it's just the way the game was played and all the things that used to be glorified were are now not legal anymore even even I mean but basketball specifically is, is supposed to not have as much contact as some of the other so the footy codes for example but yeah even the old time basketball NBA players so oh you know in our era you know, he wouldn't last mm. five minutes and things. So there definitely has been a change in that direction. Well, we talk about all these changes. What's something that you'd change back then? What's something that you think was done better in the past that you'd want to go back to? Well, I think one of the things that's become quite relevant is the interchange. Yep. I think if we reduce the amount of interchange players, um, one of the old things, so using NRL as an example... The little halfbacks like Steve Mortimer and Peter Sterling, they were at their best when the big forwards got tied. They'd weave their magic in around and in around those players when they dropped off with their levels. But now it's a situation where you know, the the big boppers come on, whack it out for twenty, and then sit the next twenty on the bench. And yeah, so they're they're, they're up. Those little blokes are actually pinpointed in in by the attacking team to just run forwards at them all day to tire them out. But in the old days, it was completely the opposite. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. I think if the interchange went... I know they've reduced it in some of the games than what it was, but um, the speed of the game obviously is what it is because of the fact that they're always fresh. Yeah. It's definitely made a big impact. And I think for the for the viewing audience, it's ni- it is nice to see those guys be fresh and be able to run. But like you said... You don't see those magic moments and it'd make the stars really stand out a bit more if they got a chance to shine. The fittest guys on the field and the, the ones with the most skill got that opportunity to shine like that. Yeah, for sure. The other thing is um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the that stupid stand-the-mark rule in the AFL. <laughs> <laughs> I said it when it came in. That was the worst rule. The, the, the idea was that it would, you know, it, it would the game would flow better if, if the player wasn't able to move off the mark and things like that. But I think that that actually there's so much of a disadvantage to the defending team. Yeah. Yeah, the ball, does, the game flows better. But, and it has, I think that that and the 666 rule is, was about stopping the flooding and things such as that in the... Yeah. That, that sort of negative tactics. But I, I just think it's so stupid that you can't, when the guy goes to run around you... But you're yeah. not even you seriously got to basically wave him goodbye as it, he goes past. It it's feels crazy. like yeah, either wave him goodbye or cost your team fifty. That, that seems like the only two options yeah. for the defender. I don't like that you can't come off the mark as well. Like if you go backward, like if you stand, like are told to stand, you can't even go backwards. Like you can't even retreat off that mark. If you stand on that spot, you've got to wait till the umpire says play on before you move at all. I yeah. think that's 
That's ridiculous. They should be able to retreat and go, no, I don't want to be on the mark. I'm go. I'm getting back. Yeah. Or like, I, my man is actually over here. This guy's man who's been beaten by 20 metres, that, that's his guy over there. It's a real big disadvantage. And I think it, it breaks up the flow because of the amount of free kicks you see. Yeah. Like, the amount of times it's called 50. It's, it's one of those rules that teams can really take advantage of. Yeah, well, North Melbourne might be in good stead this year now that they've got... Red Scott on board. <laughs> For sure. One thing that I've seen more recently is instant replays, coaches' reviews, um, booth reviews, challenges. Basically, we've seen the influx of instant replays in sports. What, do you think that sort of hurts or do you think it helps the game? Look, I think you could put an argument up. For, for both sides really I suppose you at the end of the day you want to get the best the right result when there's a, a dubious decision either way but sometimes the NRL shows it like if they slow it right down nearly everything looks like a knock on yeah when they go when they're trying to ground a ball for a try for example they go oh did that bounce whereas I, I'm of the belief that instant replay should be shown at, at live speed yeah. like yes you can get a different angle just to make sure you've got the right call but it should be shown at live speed and it should be what you can see at live speed. Because yes, if you slow anything down, like you said, you can find an issue in anything. But if you can see it at live speed and go, okay, that was just clearly missed or we didn't quite get the right angle to see what happened. We know what happened. That's that's what it is. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think that sometimes the, the slower they have it, the, the, the worse it looks. So Yeah. yeah. It, it just raises the question as to whether... Um, it, occur- it, it occurred in that manner. Like, I saw an example today if from an NFL perspective that Austin Eckler um, sort of was down by contact as he rolled over the defender's back. Now, all signs in natural time saw that he, he didn't have any shoulder, knee, or arm down, and he was down by contact. However, they slowed it right down. His elbow grazes the ground. It's like... Did he though? Like ultimately, he's made a really, really clever play to stay, um, stay above ground and score a touchdown, and it's taken away from him from like a split millisecond clip where it shows his shoulder grazing the ground. It's like ultimately, like they make the right decision in that manner, but the time that they spend checking it for a decision that you're like, oh, well, ultimately, like it was just a split little second. You just wonder sometimes. But it breaks that flow in the game and you get fans who tune out. Like you sort of go, all right, well, they're going to replay for five minutes. I'm going to go go to the bathroom, get my things and um, sort it all out. It really stops the momentum of the game, especially when it's coming into that. Like I know in NFL specifically, you've got that crescendo as it comes to the end of the game. It really stops that momentum and is a real jolt. Um, when you do have those instant replays, it's yeah, it's something they've got to tighten up and make a quicker process. Yeah, there there should be maybe a, a some sort of time limit on it. Yeah, like well, if you can't get to a decision, if you can't change the decision in two minutes, you whatever decision was made on the field, that's final. I was watching one on the rugby league World Cup the other night, and it, it wasn't a close game. I can't think who was playing, but it it seriously took. I reckon it must have took three or four minutes for him to come. They played. Replay after replay, and you just thought, let's just get on with it. Like, yeah, does it really? Does it really matter? Sort of thing. Yeah, that's where it's like, should it just strictly be in the final two minutes? 
you know, where the game... But then it's like, well, what about the things the, that happen the, during the, the game? It's a fine game line. Get you to that point in the past two minutes. I think it's got to be throughout the game. But I, I think, like I said, in live mm. speed, if, if, if you just know that the bad call was made, you can see it from another angle and go, okay, it's clearly not what it what it was called on the field, we're going to change the call. But as soon as you start slowing it down, it also, I think the biggest impact of instant replays is it's undermining the officials a lot and it's making the umpiring or the refereeing look worse in a lot of sports yeah. because you can have that ability to slow it down and look at it over and over and over and go, well, why didn't they see that? The, like, the, the cricket one, they look like idiots on the cricket one. when They, they do, don't they? Because they, they do slow it down so much. They swing back to the poor guy and say, sorry, Ravi, you've got to change your decision. This poor bloke's going, oh, okay, well. Yeah. But you sometimes you watch them on the cricket and you think, that's not where the ball was headed. Like, I look at them and I know it's only TV, but. Yeah. Yeah, we have got pretty carried away with it, though, I think. Yeah, for sure. We've seen the start of Ben Simmons this year and he's, He's always a talking point, particularly as an Australian basketball player, but all the stuff that's come with him over the past couple of years. Controversy, you'd say, but he's sort of one of those players that it got me thinking, he can't really shoot at all, let alone shoot threes. He's a facilitator. He reminds you that sort of Magic Johnson sort of type player. Do you feel like he'd translate in the 80s from the basketball that you've seen? Well... You'd have to say that he's he's struggling in his current era, so I don't know how he'd go back to the uh, to the old days. I suppose his his game does suit the older style much better. Um, I still question whether he's a point guard, though. To be honest, I mean mm. the size of him as well. Like you'd like your point guard to at least be able to shoot the ball as well. Yeah, I mean okay. Yeah, it's it does raise the question because I mean ultimately players that are playing the power forward position and that are six ten, like I understand that. They're all developing and becoming shooters, but not every six ten player in the NBA can shoot. And I just think that the expectations on him because he's a star of the league, but also because he plays the point guard position, um, and he's ultimately been playing power forward a lot with the Nets. Mm. So you just wonder whether like that expectation should be on him. But because he's such a controversial figure, it'll always uh, carry across because that's just the asterisk. Yeah. Do you think we should just settle that he can't shoot? Like, if we just take away the fact that he can't shoot, ultimately it'll hurt his team. But if you just focus on all the other good stuff that he does on the court, then does it really matter? Well, he was always regarded as like, one of the premier de- defenders. Like they, they always used to say, well, they've got yeah. Embiid and whoever else when he was at the, the sixes. But you sort of think at the end of it, he he's got to a point where he's that gun shy. He won't even run at the go at the basket. Like it's yeah. He's a liability in some respects, I suppose. Yeah, no, that's fair. Now I've seen. I I'd say it's the end of an era for key forwards in the AFL, particularly um, as you probably mentioned. The da- the game does get a bit faster. We see some zone defending. Um, we see like a grid system that sort of helped key forwards like Roughhead and Franklin, but we haven't seen anything like that for some years. I, I suppose it probably stopped and it ended with Buddy Franklin and Fev and Jonathan Brown were probably the last. Do you think we'll see the key forwards error again? Like We sort of saw it a bit last year, but ultimately not really. Yeah, the, at the start of the year last year, it looked like it was going to be back to those. And they were, they were claiming things like the 666 and the, the movement of the... Um, of, of 
of the players and and so on and being and having to stand the mark. They were they were using those as the excuse how the game had opened up again, and it was I must admit, but it did seem to slide back to that old style again towards the end. I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, Geelong play a pretty open style of play, but um, you know, we did go through a stage previous to that where the flooding was such a big a, a big thing and the yeah. full forwards certainly paid or key forwards paid the penalty for that like they they used to have they'd, they'd throw someone one or two players they'd know where to lead the book yeah. that many blokes stand in the hole in front of them we're we're going back to the old timers chat what if, if you jumped into the hole in front of tony lockett Good luck to you. Good luck with that. Or <laughs> Wayne Carey, for that matter. You'll be stretched off. <laughs> well, you know, he he did hammer a few guys. Yeah. Like Peter Caven, he he came the wrong. He came against the well, with the flow of the ball against the against the runner play and plugger went straight through him. Yeah. Did he did raise his forearm? But yeah, I think ten weeks or something he got for that. <laughs> one. But yeah, but but that was that was how they dealt with someone who was. You want to sit in the hole? You'll pay the penalty. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, the next question we've got is one that we've... So, we've sort of been discussing a little bit the media coverage of sport and how um, how it's sort of changed over the... Even the past sort of five years. What do you think has been the change in media during your time following sport? And do you think it's for the better or the for worse that we've got all this coverage now on sport? I mean, we're all... Anyone that's a supporter of, of, of any of the codes wants to see as much content as they can see. So I suppose the media has, has certainly helped in that respect. Yep. Um, you, you can see your team play every week. Yeah. Whereas back in the day, you, you would, if your team wasn't the match of the round, you wouldn't have seen them. You could listen to many of the games on the radio, for example, but the TV just used to do mat- matches of the round. So I suppose media has opened up. Yeah, that aspect. That's something that just seems so foreign to us now that you couldn't see your team every week. Like mm. even in like, like I, I know a lot of people are accustomed to it. One watching overseas sports like your basketball, your NFL, and everything. But yeah, even local sports, like AFL and rugby league, um, incredible. More, more games over a week as well. Yep. I mean, we were it was insane during the COVID period with the. Um, like there was an AFL game nearly every night of the week. It was it was, <laughs> it was unreal to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <it was> <laughs> yeah. I think the the settler for us is we were watching them at home, and I think the Swans might have been playing, and we were we were watching a game. It was on a like a Wednesday night, and I thought I'm sitting at the bar watching the, watching the Swans play on a Wednesday night with my roast dinner. <laughs> I thought this is that's pretty good. It's, it's, starting, <laughs> it's starting to get that's really it's starting to get carried away with it then. Yeah, yeah but, absolutely. But yeah, so there was games all the time. So the media coverage has definitely, um, it's much greater now. The, neg- the negative of that probably is that you see the sport, all the sport and the players, blisters and all, whether they like it or not. The social media aspect especially. Yeah, I think that that's the biggest impact that we've sort of seen is that um, it's been great for the exposure and the branding and a lot more money is in sport these days because there's a lot more advertising dollars in sport, but it's at the detriment of the players and the players are put in on even more a pedestal and given much less leeway um, to do anything. Like we've, we, we were talking before the podcast about guys like Todd Carney. If, if that was back in the 80s, it'd be like, it might come out in the papers, yeah, dumb decision. But it comes out today, you see a video of it, it ruins his career. Yeah, every, everybody's got a camera. 
Yeah, well, you 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 put Andrew Johns um, <sighs> in today's era mm. with the same activities, and I don't Absolutely think you'd have a job. Not. Yeah. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There was lots of stories many many years ago, like of the old of old thi- the old timers playing different in AFL and rugby league and things. Clubs are just there'd be like cash pa- cash payments made to um, to people. Things just used to go away. They disappear. These problems. Yeah. You'd ne- now they still get paid anyway, but they go legal to to get the money, and they've got the proof of having the you know conversations on on yeah. record and videos that people have taken. And yeah, it's a, it's a different world. I mean, the, the they've sold that on the fact that. The off the other side of it is they make a lot more money than they used to. Yeah. So, what's the trade off? I don't know. All right. Well, one of the things we always talk about is what players would do well in other eras, and we've got written down NFL first. I'd love to start there, but I think we've got a bit of time to actually go through a few of the different sports and uh, and talk about a player we'd like to see from the past. Uh, coming to the present, but let's start with the NFL. Who's one player that you'd love to see from the past? come into the now okay well mine's mine's probably um well it's not left field in the fact that it's a 49ers player but i'm interested uh, a player like jerry rice in the from the 49ers like he played he was a very he was obviously one of the most successful wide receivers of all time but he played with two quarterbacks who really weren't running quarterbacks so everybody knew they were going to pass the ball yeah so it would be interesting if he played with a modern modern quarterback where there was a bit of doubt as to, as to exactly how and he, and it could be a number of different wide receivers but it'd be interesting to see how those top guys now would go with with some of those younger you know the, the gunslinger sort of running quarterbacks as well so yeah and it's much more of a passing league these days there's a lot of the rules benefit um, the receiver you look at the way that pass interference is um, officiated now in the NFL where if if a defender does anything to you, it's it's a flag. Whereas mm. in the past, like you could be tackled, like and be dragged down as the ball's coming down. It's just tough luck yeah. be tougher. Yeah, they um, were they were earning their like even like your Randy Mosses, and it'd be just interesting to see how they would go, really in this this current era. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my pick is, is similar in talking about the sort of pass catching, um, but more on the on the passing end of things I would love to see and it's a dolphin mm. uh, Dan Marino yeah. Dan Marino in today's NFL I think would be Mahomes plus like he he broke all of the passing records and set numbers that have only just recently been broken in an era where passing wasn't as easy to do because of all the rules changes that have happened over the past few years it was tough to pass in the eighties. It was a, it was a, t- it was tough to get the ball downfield. It was tough to make those big deep throws that uh, Marino would make regularly. And I think if he had the today's rules, every single pass he'd make is either completion or a pi. Yeah, well, look, all those old quarterbacks are not getting not getting absolutely sat on their rear end every after every throw either, like they were back in the day. And you'd find that that's probably one of the contributing factors why these careers have been prolonged for quarterbacks is because they are so protected because you sniff on them or you, you sneeze on them the wrong way and it's a it's a flag. Mm. Ol, who have you got? I've got Brett Favre and similar to your reasoning for Marino and that it's Patrick Mahomes plus, but I just feel like, you remember Brett Favre and it was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes. He threw these dumb... Or behind the back passes, more or less. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the no lookers, the 
throw into quadruple coverage and still find a guy. And he had no leash for doing this. He got absolutely ridiculed for playing like this to the point where it sort of changed his career. Changed his style towards the end as well. Exactly. And you'd probably say maybe to the better. I mean, ultimately that comes up to your interpretation and to when you sort of think he changed his style of play. But could you imagine him with a big leaf, a big leash? Like, could you imagine him with a big leash on an offense that's creative, um, where he can just sling the ball and make those throws? He'd be the most exciting player to watch. I almost think that Rodgers and Favre as quarterbacks could even be flipped in their errors because Rodgers is very much a keep the ball, don't turn it over. He's broken all sorts of records for longer streaks without a turnover. I think he almost would have fit, if you flipped Rodgers and Favre's careers time-wise, I think he would have made, been much more of a fit in, in Favre's error as well. Yeah, it would be pretty weird to see um, Brett Favre in today's era. I mean, it would be even weird to see Rodgers back then, but yeah, I suppose that's probably a bit of a fair call. NBA. Um, one comes off the top of my head just because I was deprived of watching him being so young, but it's just got to be MJ. I'd just yeah. love to see how he would translate um, to today's game. I mean, ultimately, you just feel like he's that much of a competitor. You hear the stories about him working and working and working. He'd develop a jump shot. He'd develop a three-point shot. Yeah. Like, he's he was that guy that worked that hard in the gym that that was the reason he was so good. He had that strong work ethic. I just feel like he'd work on the three-point shot and realistically, how do you stop that guy? There's no hand-checking. He's not getting drilled um, when he comes into the paint and there's transition fouls. So you can't just quickly foul Jordan who's or quickly foul a guy who's going to give it to Jordan in open space. Like this, The game's just almost built um, for iso ball and he was just the best at it. So Yeah, I don't think there's another correct answer for that question. Probably maybe AI. Maybe Alan Iverson. He was before the hand-checking era, and he was flashy. He was probably like Kyrie Irving on steroids with the dribble, the dribbling. Um, and then many people say it was just ridiculously hard to stop. So maybe maybe AI. Yeah. Yeah, I could say that. Do you have one, Daz? Um, well, just to be different, I mean, everyone would like to see Jordan running around doing his thing again. Yeah. Um, look, you, you watch the um, that Pistons... Um, the bad boys. Yeah, the bad, bad boys. boys yeah. And they couldn't beat him at first, and then they made the decision they'd just go out and every time he went at the basket, just hammer him. That was what <laughs> they said. And that's what they did. Yeah. And he and he eventually, I think they beat him in that series, and he it was a f- but they couldn't beat him before, and that was the tactic that they went for. Yeah. And then the other story you hear is where him and Magic went at each other at the Olympic training. Yep. And, you know, he, he, MJ sort of just said, there's a new sheriff in town, man. And just took, they just went at it. Everyone I love else, it. There's everyone else so many good passing MJ the, stories. Passing hey? the ball and just watching them go. So, yeah, he'd be amazing. One, I was thinking about it before. One of the... It's probably a, it's a left field one again. I'd like to see how the, the big diesel would go now. Big Shaquille. Yeah. He's, he's sort of not really suited, but, man, he's over seven foot. He's as big as anything. But, I mean, he'd probably be getting hacked for the three front. Free throws a fair bit. Oh, yeah, it'd be the same sort of thing. That only developed towards the end of his career. Yeah. Yeah, you feel like that may have been brought on a bit earlier. But I think it, in- it depends on how it sort of happens. But an intentional foul is sometimes one in the ball. So mm-hmm. it, it'd be interesting. They do have a hacker shack rule, but you can still get around it. you just got to mm. commit a reaching foul. Like, yeah. But and, and just be in the bonus, which a lot of teams just take advantage of that anyway. So. 
I reckon he'd still dominate just being that big. Which is weird that we haven't seen anyone really like him since. You, you because just wonder like when he was at the Lakers with Kobe and obviously two big personalities. Like if they could have kept it together for you know another five years, how many? Sort of titles would they actually have won? I think you'd be talking about similar to the um, 90s Bulls in terms of titles. I think they could have just kept winning. Unbelievable. Mm. Absolutely. Um, well, we'll open this one up to you first, um, Daz, but uh, AFL player. What's one AFL player from the past that you'd think you'd love to see in today's uh, in today's AFL? Well, I've talked about him a bit, and I'm obviously a bit of a fan. I like, would have liked to seen Tony Lockett and... In the in this era, yeah, he was he was a machine on the lead, and with the probably the, the improved kicking of the midfielders and so on today, um, yeah, he he'd certainly be a handful. Whether he could whether he could cope with that extra numbers around the footy back where he was, that'd be an issue. Yeah, he was actually quite mobile for a big guy. That was probably a bit of a misconception, but he was. He was pretty wide to get around, and if he got in front, like it's for the defenders today, they're very hard to. It's very hard to defend when the ball's comes in properly, and if you're big, it's even even harder. So yeah, for sure. I think it'd be interesting to see how he he transitioned. Yeah, I think that'd be a great answer. I'd like to see um, Gary Ablett Senior as well um, yeah. in today's day and age. I think you I mean you saw it in his son, um, yeah. but that would be a really interesting one to see how he'd go in uh, in today's AFL. Uh, old, do you have one? Um, bias, but Chris Judd, just because he is today's AFL. Well, he's mate. not. I'm because the reason why I think of that is because he was he got tagged with two blokes. Hank tagging isn't as much of a thing, and if you do tag, your leash is only so so long, or so short rather, I guess. But they don't. You don't get away with the stuff like Chris Judd had would have two people on him, and yeah. you just imagine. I reckon he get fifty touches a game. His aerobic capacity, his ability to find the ball with not two guys hanging off him, and um, add into that Carlton team with with Cripps and and Walsh, and I you I might come higher than ninth if you uh, if you had him in there. I can I'd guarantee the eight mate with Chris Judd <laughs> in that team. That's for sure. Oh, I don't know. With the way Carlton has been playing lately, I don't think guaranteeing top eight um, has worked well for you. Well, if Chris Judd can carry the team, he did. In the thousands, mate, with um, with what you'd probably call farmers, when Fev left, Jesus, I think he could just about drag any team to the eight. <laughs> the the other the other Carlton one that would is is a definite old timer would be uh, Anthony Kudafidis. Yeah, yeah, I'd love yeah. to see. He him. was like the he was like the prototypical athlete that be, that was became a footballer. But, yeah, but he um he he was he was amazing. Could play in the middle, at either end. Could. Yeah, he was he was one of the great first athletes that really came through. Yeah, that, that became an elite player anyway. He, he yeah, I'd be, even his career any in his own era was probably sh- cut short through some knee injuries and so on. So yeah, well he's got his young fella coming through. You can only hope that he turns out half the player he was. I think I've like off topic, but on topic I saw that he kicked like ten goals in his like junior. Uh, AFL game and um, Kurda was like alright well are you going to play forward or back and he's like well I'm not going to play as, as a back um, so maybe he's a forward for the future you never know yeah he's um he's a he's a pretty big lad so but his dad's his dad looks as though he's as fit enough now he could still play <laughs> yeah 
he's into the personal training and nutrition and so on. So I'll show Hage your photo. Imagine looking like that at fifty. Imagine look like that now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't look at that like that at twenty, mate. <laughs> He's absolutely ripped. What a machine. Um, well, thanks so much uh, for coming on again, Daz. It's all been right. it's been a pleasure to chat with you again and talk about all the changes. It's it's interesting to hear how how different sport is, yet some things just say the same. Yeah, they do. But the old timers chat. It's always good. <laughs> always a pleasure, mate. Thanks for coming on. Right. Thanks, mate. Thanks again so much to uh, to Darren for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure uh, to chat all things. How sports have changed in our blast from the past segment. But we move on now to our mailbag. So let's get into it. First question, Declan from Newcastle asks, biggest risers and fallers from the World Cup so far? Well, we've seen a lot. Um, we'll start off virtually at the start. You may have recalled last week on the podcast, we chatted live Um Argentina had just scored a goal to go up 1-0 against Saudi Arabia. Well, yep. the uh, the tables turned and Saudi Arabia actually got the job done against Argentina. And what was, I mean, it was a game dominated by Argentina, but Saudi Arabia just took their chances. They've earned themselves, uh, was it Rolls-Royce or Bentley's? They, they each got a Rolls-Royce. Yeah, and a public holiday for the uh, country. So, geez, uh, uh, can we maybe... Get something going there, like oh, I wouldn't mind a, a day off. Maybe how far do you reckon it would? I actually thought about this. How far would Australia have to go? To I get reckon a day probably off? win. Yeah, we wouldn't get a day off for losing. For I reckon we would. Maybe, maybe if the it was semi-final, like semi-final, a day off to watch the final would be cool. Yeah, I reckon we, we could get a day off to watch. And yeah, mate, it, we'd have to at least make the final though. I can't see us getting the day off for a semi-final, like make it into semi-final. Yeah, I'm we're not, not getting a day off for a group stage game. <laughs> No, I know. Like, even if we beat France, like, that, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I think it is. But, you know, um, what they're passionate about soccer, so good on them. Yeah, and um, I think that they pulled out every trick in the book to win that game. Like, they were they were having players go down injured. They were having guys take yellow cards. They were trying to milk that clock for all it was worth. Because um, in the end, even if they got a draw, it would be a big accomplishment against Argentina. But to get the win um, was just absolutely unreal. Yeah, so I'm just checking out, nine, 19th of December, 2am on a Monday. So we could get that day off, that would be pretty nice. Ooh, but I've got a staff development day on that day, I'd <laughs> like to get that day off. Um, as it's, Come on, Aussies. As it stands though, Australia, um, they get a win against uh, Tunisia, they lose 4-1 to France, and the way that it's worked so far, they only need a draw to qualify to move on to the round of 16 against Denmark, which is actually occurring... Thursday morning at 2am, horrible time slot for... That's an awful time for Australian fans. Yeah. Um, I've almost liked the 12, 3, 6, 9 o'clock the night before. Yeah. Now they're, they're changing it to two games at 2am and two games at I like 6, them maybe. different times. Yeah, I thought it's it was... so much nicer. I thought it was a lot better, but... Because you want the whole world focusing on the one game at the one time. I, th- I think it's... um, I think it's good for the sport having them spaced out like that. Yeah, I think so too. And... um. Well, to answer this question, I think that we've seen uh, a number of things occur, a lot of surprises, a lot of disappointments. I'll start off with the first surprise, I reckon. It's got to be Morocco. They've played really well. Listening um, to the podcast last week, we said, oh, they may be able to squeeze it out against a draw or possibly a win against Canada, who they face next. They've got a draw against Croatia and a win against Belgium. 
Like that is uh that's pretty insane. Yeah, itself. you'll take that. Um, so they've been a bit of a surprise for me. What's um been a disappointment for you, H? Um, it's hard, tough to say. It's got to be probably Serbia for me. I don't think they've been um performing up to what they could be. Um, they're in a tough, they they're in a tough division, but they're not doing themselves um very many favors. Um. Yeah, so we've got the results. They drew with Cameroon. Um, they also lost to Brazil. Their next game coming up will be against Switzerland as well. So yeah, you'd have to say that it's it's win or they're out. Um, I don't know that they get the job done. We'll have to wait and see. I think there's one major disappointment in this in this tournament, and it's got to be Germany. Oh yeah. Um, I think I think by far they lose to Japan. They're able to scrape out. A draw against Spain. So it all falls down to their last match against Costa Rica. Um, You'd they, say they'd be able to do them. you think so. And then Japan will be looking to squeeze out a draw against Spain. Um, How did Japan go against uh, Costa Rica? I think they drew. Um, See if Japan can No, they lost 1-0. Oh, they, they lost 1-0. Right. So the way that Germany got to get in, it's basically a loss um, for... If Japan lose if and Japan they win. If Japan lose and they win, or if Japan draw, they're probably out because unless they get a 2 0 or 2 goal victory because of that the way that that's sort of structured. Yeah. One of the big uh one of the big games that I watched uh so far in this World Cup was the USA and England draw. I thought that England were absolutely outplayed. A lot of people have criticized Gareth South Southgate on his tactics, on his performance as manager. I mean, not having Phil Foden even on the pitch, is that a, is that, I think that's a terrible call, to be honest. I think you've got to play your best players. And um, there's an argument that some national teams have to pick, they want to pick the best squad. And sometimes the best players are off the field because they don't fit the system. But you fit players like Foden into your system because they're just that talented. Um, I thought USA dominated the second half. And I thought that they, should almost be disappointed that they didn't win that game. As weird as it is to say. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, Especially now because USA are in a must-win situation in their third game. Despite performing very well, they they outplayed Wales and only got a draw. They outplayed the England and only got a draw. If they lose this next game or even draw this next game, they're probably looking at elimination. Well, the thing is they outplayed Wales in one half and they got dominated in the second half. So I thought it was going to be a th- uh, basically a sign of things to come against England. But as you mentioned, they seem to be the better team. I'll just say that the last team that I think has probably been a bit of a disappointment is Uruguay. They didn't get the win over South Korea. They lost to Portugal, which you could say is sort of expected um, to have the one point out of those two games. They're going to rely on a win against Ghana, so they can still make it. And I think they probably just creep, th- uh, creep through. Um, but in terms of their progression, once they make the round of 16, if they do, it's looking pretty uh, grim. It's looking pretty grim. Absolutely. Um, well, next question we've got, um, and it comes in from Noah from Newcastle, who asks, what are your takeaways from the AFL draft? Yeah, so we saw round one or virtually night one of the AFL draft last night. So Monday night, and we will see round two or night two and rounds two and above and night two tonight. Um, so probably it'll, it might be ongoing 
as the at the re- time of the release of the pod. So to recap, night one, Aaron Cadman went number one overall, tall forward to the GWS Giants. So yep. that's that that's they really are looking for a comparable player to Jer- Jeremy Cameron. That yep. was the sort of consensus coming out of it. We saw some bid wars from Sydney from your boys. So. I don't know if he caught it, but basically GWS had a academy prospect they wanted to pick. He was predicted to go around 30. Um, Sydney bidded on him at about like 17. So really? Which forced them to pay a bit more capital than they would forced have needed to. Forced the Giants to? to. Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. And they did Love the same that. thing. Love to, that from the Swans. They did the same thing to Adelaide as well, which many people attribute to the, the Jordan Dawson trade where the Swans sort of felt like they... They were hard done by and they didn't get enough capital for him. So they sort of made Adelaide bid up again. So they were, um, they bid twice and then traded their pick. So everyone was like, that was a bit of a weird thing. But ultimately, there wasn't too much to make from it. It sort of all lined up with everyone's predictions for night one. Night two will be interesting to see how that pans out. But um, it probably will be out and decided at the time of release. Yep. Uh, well, that sounds good. Um, and maybe if there's any news and notes, we can uh, discuss that next week. If you've got any questions about it, let us know. But we'll move on now to a question from Joe from Newcastle, a podcast favourite, who asks, will you guys be attending the AFL's insert name here or in brackets Magic Round in 2023? Yeah, so we've now heard that the AFL's version of the Magic Round will occur next year in Adelaide, so that'll be do hosted. You, do you think the AFL's just copied the NRL's idea? Yes. I think it's the first time in history that yeah, it's gone that way. Yeah, I was about to say that. I was like, and they have every right to after they got State of Origin stolen off them, just about everything. The youth development, they've stole everything from the AFL. So it's nice to get one back, you know? Um, <laughs> it's, it is nice to get one back. But, I do mean, this is a great, a good idea? Oh, it's a great concept. Yeah. Rip concept. To be able to play, and I think it doesn't, it has to be out of Victoria. Yeah. Just like it has to be out of Sydney for um, the NRL. A, a magic round in Victoria is just every round. Yeah, and virtually the same for <laughs> yeah. Sydney as well. So I think it's really cool. And I think, I know it's been in Brisbane for the NRL for the past few years, but maybe give Melbourne or give Adelaide or give West or Western Australia a go. I don't for know the, that they the get... NRL magic round. Uh, yeah, I just don't know that I don't they, know they get, get the crowd. same. Yeah, they just wouldn't... Queensland are a passionate rugby league supporter base. Whereas... Like, if they moved to Melbourne, they don't have that natural supporter base there. At least Queensland, they're all so passionate about rugby league that even if they're not going to watch their team play, they're going to watch the sport in general because they've got that interest in the sport. You go to Melbourne, not a lot of people know or care about rugby league. Well, this is why I think that Queensland and Brisbane's in a place is particularly fantastic to start off. And as they develop the game, it'll be important to move around particularly as they develop that Melbourne market, mm. a market in Perth, as we've seen with the State of Origin, and then with the AFL. Think, just to, while we're still on the NRL, because I think it's important to pause us here, um, do you think that the NRL will ever focus on trying to expand the competition to be truly national? Because it seems like they're quite content at the moment to just be a New South Wales and Queensland sport. Well, as I sort of mentioned, they have tried to establish State of Origin in, in Victoria, and in WA, and they are they do make efforts. It just whether doesn't seem like they're active, active, actively trying at all. Yeah, well, I mean, it just it just seems like they're sort of going, oh well, we've got to tick a box, I guess. Well, they know their market, so that's what they're going to continue to appeal to, in that they'll try and continue to increase 
market size in those areas. But, but there's a reason the sport's dying is because there's too many... The, the, the Sydney and Brisbane markets are too saturated with sport that now that the, uh, these other sports are creeping in, that market share is much smaller for NRL. They're not going to grow and they're not going to survive if they don't try and get some of the market around the country. Well, it sounds like they need some new people on the board because the first thing you learn in business is that you want to capture. If you've got a huge market share, which they do in Sydney, you want to capture other areas because inevitably you're not going to be able to maintain that market share forever. Exactly. I mean, you can continue to dominant dominate a market which they've done however i still think they're going to make active steps which this could be a mechanism and i think it is a mechanism for the afl as well i think we will see it in sydney i think we'll probably see it in brisbane um that may may marry up with the nrl's departure from brisbane with the magic round you wouldn't think that they would put it in brisbane when the nrl already has it there during the same year yeah it just looked like a carbon copy. Um, but I could certainly see it if the NRL moved around. I think Sydney was a big talk. Adelaide will be very happy they got it, though. Yeah. Um, so so it is in Adelaide. Um, it's very exciting. It's Thursday, uh, April the 13th to Sunday the 16th of April. It should be an exciting weekend for sport. Will we go there? Not sure. I've only been to Adelaide for a cup of coffee so far. So... Um, it'd be nice to actually spend some extended time there, but it it will depend on what we're uh, what we're doing there. But thanks for the question, Joe. We move on now to a question from at twelve pats five ever who asks, "Can you guys please talk about Boston?" I think it's on the plans actually, so we will and we will return back to cities after what's been a, a bit of a departure. But it's been a busy couple of months for for sports events we've had the the world cups for almost every sport it seems have come up this year you you t20 your rugby league world cup your um soccer world cup or football um depending on what part of the world you're from um but yeah it'd be good to get back to the cities yeah we've seen um a number of things occur which has sort of got in our way as you mentioned and there's been requests from people to come on the pod podcast particularly as special guests so we've got a few in line as well so it's all about balancing it because ultimately we still want to present um you guys with cities who is the icon of that city boston it's clearly going to be tom brady so let's not give um let's not give let's, that away let's see but if we can find yeah, someone else uh, it'll no be interesting chance. to chat about Good luck, John Cena, maybe. <laughs> oh, Bill, Bill Russell won 12, 11 championships there. Yeah, he is a pretty good candidate. Like, come on now, mate. Let's, let's give them their due. Um, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> what do you mean? Like He won 11 titles there, mate. Are no you shit. joking? Pull your head in. It's, it's got to be Tom Brady for sure. You can't even argue uh, that. We haven't even got to the Boston episode yet. Well, let's, let's save that for you next week. You can't argue that. Let's it's save like, it for future weeks. I know, but this isn't even a discussion, <laughs> man. Can we at least have a battle for second or something? <laughs> we might. My goodness. We might have to have something for second. But yeah, we will oh. get back to it. There's plenty of, um, there's plenty of people wish- wanting to get on the pod we may have to tie up, start tying up some cities again like we did with Mason. But, you know, I know Kingy is a Pats fan and he's keen to come on the pod. So maybe we might line that up as well. That would be a good idea. Um, well, next question. Uh, what city do you think would be best for three sports games in 24 hours? That question comes from Peter from Wyong. I think it would have to be New York as a strategic one here. You'd be able to go to the New York Giants in the NFL, the Knicks in the NBA and the Yankees in the MLB. Now, that's a pretty historic run there. But for me personally, I reckon it's got to be San Francisco. If I had to pick for my personal 
sort of interest, he'd be going to see the Warriors in the NBA. I don't mind the 49ers, despite <laughs> copying a few losses over the years to them as a Packers fan, and also seeing the Giants in the MLB would be cool as well. What about you, H? Well, after going to LA recently and seeing a lot of these teams, I think that uh, Dodgers, Rams, Lakers uh, in LA would be a pretty cool experience to go to. Um, Honourable mention, funnily enough, the city we've just mentioned, Boston, um, is a pretty famous sports town, and going to a Pats game, a, um, a Red Sox game, and a Celtics game would probably be pretty influential if those teams didn't all suck ass. <laughs> there you go. Well, um, that's probably a fair call, and you wouldn't see Bill Russell, mate, because he's, um, well, he passed away last year, but he's been retired for 60 years, so we, um, who would you see, who would be your, your person to watch in Boston now? Probably Tatum, Jason Tatum, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, look, we'll, um, I've seen a lot of these videos on, on YouTube, it's becoming a bit of a trend, it'd be cool to do it ourselves, um, fingers crossed, well, I mean, we keep saying this, but you know it'd be really cool to be able to do that and cram in as much sports as you can oh mate it's um it's one of those things if we keep saying it hopefully we're putting it out into the ether and uh something comes back to us that's exactly right yeah um yeah you've just got to let josie uh give you away and let you come with me for a month (laughs) good luck mate yeah i don't know how i'd go with that one uh well let's get into our lock of the week now uh last week i pegged one back on you we've got uh belgium beating canada uh taking me to eight points and denmark drew with tunisia leaving you on nine points you've still got the chance to clinch this week so, who I'll are you going with? I'll take the Denmark draw every single day if it helps the Socceroos. And it, and it has. So, hopefully Denmark can get a draw You're again. a proud patriot. That would, that would be <laughs> nice. I, I think I've got the Vikings to beat the Jets here. Um, I, I don't know. It's a bit of a sleeper game, but there's a bit of quarterback trouble. The Jets look good. Mike um, White. Mike White looked good. So. Mike White looked amazing compared to what they had. I know. Uh, what do we think about the Zach Wilson benching? Oh, I, did you see? Like, there's just the more images that come out. He looks like a... He reminds me of a bit of Johnny Manziel. Yes. Like, he didn't yes. really... He's not really into it. Like, he's not really... You just... That sour, petulant yeah, look as well. Like, like, he looked like a kid who'd been, like... It'd been put got, in the naughty corner. Got the candy taken off him, yeah. yeah. Like, he just... There was photos where all the QBs were on their tablets. Yeah. And he's just standing there, like, arms crossed. And I'm like... Hey, Do you think it's a maturity thing with him? Yeah, 100%. Because you saw the way he answered the question. Um, They lost 10-3 to uh, to the Patriots. And, yeah, only put up three points all day. The defense only let in three points, save for the um, special team score right at the end of the game. He was asked... Was it the offense's fault? Which is leading quick. Like the journalist has got an agenda there. They know, they know what they want to get out of him because he says yes, they are. That's a soundbite. But he says no, no, we're not the problem. I I actually have no problem with that response, and that's what you said. It's a leading question. He's just trying to stir him on. So I you don't have a problem you with it. Say you're not it just the problem looks when bad. you score three points. I know, but what are you going to say? Yes, I'm the problem. You or... take ownership as the quarterback. Look, it's on me first. I've got to be better, and uh, I'm ready to lead this team into the future. It's only one week, and we're going to look to the future. It's it's simple answer. Look, I haven't heard of any interviews after that, but I reckon he probably would have said something similar. But at the time, if you, this bloke is an absolute tool trying to trying to get a news story out of it. Oh yeah, like don't get me wrong, journalists are jerks, but you got to answer that question. That's it's it's a chat we had a couple of weeks ago, but just about basic media training. You've got you've got to be better than that. 
Yeah, well, but um, you know that question's coming. You score three points. You know that question's coming, and all other quarterbacks have got a standard answer, which is, "Look, it's on me first as the quarterback. I take responsibility. I've got to lead this team better." At the end of the day, you've scored three points. You've already got enough. You're going to get enough from the media anyway. They're going to give you so much slack anyway. You may as well own it and move on, rather than trying to deflect, deflect, because it'll just come back harder. Yeah, I, I'm hoping for my sake that the MILF hunter is back in business because um, I reckon the Vikings are more of a chance if he plays. Did you hear, so. um, I believe it was RG3 because um, so, the, the guy who returned the kick um, played for the Cougars in, um, in college. And they were like, oh, if only Zach Wilson was still, still on the field and playing for that, they might have caught him. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I was just like, RG3, you bad for that. There you go. He's actually been pretty pretty cool to... He's like got a bit of colour to him. RG3 like, and Mark Sanchez are two of my favourite media personalities this year in the NFL. Who would have thought that? Yeah, well, like he's... As I said, like he's got a bit of um, a bit of a spark to him. Like he's not... He's not just a bland commentator. He's a bit of a colour commentator, which is which is nice. But, it um, is, yeah. Who's your prediction here, H, for your lock? I've got Bucks to beat the Saints. I think that Tom Brady... Um, it's hard to know what to make of these Bucks this year. They're kind of just in the middle, and it's a weird place for a Tom Brady-led team to be. But I think they beat the Saints. I think the Saints are still trying to find who they are or what they are with Andy Dalton at the main position. But I don't know that they can get it done. There's still enough pieces around Tampa Bay to be a at least serviceable team, and I think Brady gets the win there. No, yeah, I agree. There's no way that New Orleans win, especially after scoring zero points. And you might expect a bit of a bounce back, but their issue falls with not giving their running backs the ball. Like, Kamara's your best player, and he runs seven times. I know it's against the Niners, and I know he only had 13 yards, but his big thing is... is um. A catching, pass catching, yeah, a pass catching running back, and he did have six catches, but they were just all behind the line of scrimmage. And like, mate, go and do your thing. Like, use him as a bit of a gadget player. Um, we've seen him used in that role over the years, and the same with Taysom Hill. I just felt like they were too bland. They tried, they tried things. Don't get me wrong, but you're not going to get above the 49ers. Like, you'd rather lose thirty nil than thirteen nil, and you know die trying more or less yeah for sure for sure well that's it for our podcast today thank you so much for joining us uh we'll be back next week um as we are every week with some more sports discussion what have we got on the uh on the agenda next week i think it could be a number of things we're still tossing it up it could be boston given the urgency for that but with the round of 16 coming up it might be a quick preview We'll see how uh, how it all falls. So. Well, let us know if you've got a preference or if you've got any thoughts for what you'd like to hear next. Make sure you let us know and get in touch with us at Road Trip Sports Podcast. Sorry, at Road Trip Sports Pod. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, Road Trip Sports Podcast is what you need to search if you want to find us on YouTube. Any inquiries you've got, if you'd like to get in touch with us, Podcast at gmail.com is the best way to get in contact with us or you can slide into any of our DMs. You sure can, and um, as always, the questions are very much appreciated, um, especially as we move back into the cities. It's good to have a few talking points um, with less sort of segments around the things that are occurring at present. Yeah, and it's also been great to see we've got, um, uh, so we get to see the stats of the, the listenership of the podcast, and it's great to see we've got a very steady uh, group of listeners who 
tune in each week for our podcast but we'd like to grow we'd like to expand and that will allow us to do more things as a podcast so if you are a current listener to the podcast make sure that you tell a friend make sure that you even if you have to grab their phone and download the podcast onto their phone uh, whatever it takes if you can get our podcast into the ears of more listeners we can do more things and we can um have more fun things to talk about so we'd really appreciate that if you could uh if you could help us out with that one and last of all uh we hope your team wins unless they are playing the dolphins the packers or the socceroos well the packers are rebuilding now so maybe um i don't want them to lose the bears but let's get that uh, top two pick maybe <laughs> all right well let's so hope change your tune i hope your team wins unless they're playing the dolphins but especially if they're playing the packers I and we <laughs> You're off your head. (laughs) I'm off my head. We'll see you next time, guys. See ya.